Thank you for tuning in to the Carter Effect Podcast, where we will discuss faith, family, football, and life. My name is Nathan Carter, and I have the privilege and honor to speak to you today. So please feel free to sit back and relax as we dive into today's episode. God bless. Man, what's going on, y'all? Um, Snake Carter, host of the Carter Effect podcast, and I'm just excited, uh, excited and blessed and thankful to to get back to um, this podcast and, and get back to touching on subjects and topics that are tough to talk about and subjects and topics which I believe can be a blessing to others. And I just hope and pray that that these podcasts and these episodes are a blessing to you guys all. And we're going to get right into it, man. We're talking about suffering. Man, and look, suffering is something that none of us want to go through, but all of us often do, right? right. And suffering is something that we don't understand, right? And um, it's actually promised to us in the Bible that we will go through suffering, that we will go through troubles, that sometime, at some point in our life that we will suffer, right? And um, that's hard for us to believe, right? It's hard for us to, to, to listen to that. It's hard for us to contemplate that, right? It's hard for us to meditate on the fact that our life is going to be a life of suffering of some sort, right? Because I know that we have all the, we have this notion that we serve a good, loving God that, 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 that's going to keep suffering away from us, right? That, that, we're, that, that our world is going to be all sunshines and rainbows and nothing's going to go wrong and everything's going to go right in my life. And we all have this mindset. But oftentimes, oftentimes, that's a lie. And oftentimes, instead of life being sunshines and rainbows, life is showered and grief and suffering. And even in my own life right now, um, some may say that I'm suffering, right? Um, we are coming up um, of getting ready at a time I'm making this episode of playing FIU in week six um, of our football season. And in week three, um, I went through a moment of suffering. You know, um, I went through a moment where I felt pain and I had to come up with a decision um, about my future that I never have had to come up with in my life. I felt a, a type of pain that I never necessarily felt before, right? And to make the long story short, I separated my soldier and I decided to get the surgery would put an end to my season, right? The end to my season in which in three, in which in four games, I rushed for over 400 yards, averaging over six yards a carry, right? A season that was promised in the beginning by, 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 by what, what I would have thought by greatness, right? A season that, that, that any uh, college football player would want to ask for, but a season that was cut short, and some may ask, well, Nathan, how in the world can you be joyful and hopeful in something that you worked so hard for, yet it was taken away from you? 
right? How is it possible that you can walk around with a smile on your face? How is it possible that you can walk around with, with joy in the midst of something that you worked so hard for to be taken away from you? Right, and, and so many of us are asking ourselves that question of how in the world am I supposed to be joyful in the midst of the suffering that I'm going through? How in the world am I supposed to, am I supposed to just be a suffering? Am I supposed to treat suffering like it's not there? Right, how in the world does the Bible cause to call me to be joyful and hopeful in suffering? And number one, not even that, but why in the world is suffering even here? And that's what we're going to touch on today. Right. And we see uh, um, straight in the beginning, we have this answer, right, that human suffering exists because sin exists. Right. In Genesis chapter two, verses 16 through 17, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat from it, you will certainly die. Right. And, and we see that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Right. Bringing sin and suffering to the world by doing exactly what God told them not to do. And because of that, ever since that sin has affected everything in our world, sin has affected our human relationships. Sin affects our relationships with God. Sin affects our relationships with animals. Right. And sin's result is physical death. Sin opened the door for all suffering to be permissible. For all creation right and, and 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 not only that but god knew that adam and eve was sin god created adam and eve knowing that they would eventually sin and knowing that suffering would be as a result of it so nate are you telling me that god is creator of suffering are you telling me that this is God's fault while I'm going through this? No. Let's see what James says, right? James chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. It says that when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Who? Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When, and then when sin is fully grown, gives birth to death. And it says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows so god is not the creator of any evil and god is not the creator of every of any suffering but god does allow it and as we're going to see and touch on later in this episode that he allows it for good purposes right there are four main causes of suffering Right. The first main cause of suffering is suffering that is caused by our own sin. Right. Is when we are responsible. Right. 
and when we are affected. And not only are we affected, but others are also affected by that, right? And the response to that is repentance and confession to God of our sin, right? The second cause of suffering is the sin of others, right? It's the person who has sinned and others who have allowed it to happen, right? And it affects many people, including those who have sinned, right? And the response to other sins is to resist the sinful behavior of the sinner while still loving them, right? The third cause of suffering is avoidable physical or natural disasters, right? And these are people who ignore the fact or refuse to take precautions in specific things, right? And it affects those exposed to the cost, right? And the response to that is simply to prevent the cause from becoming possible, right? And the last cause of suffering is the unavoidable physical or natural desires, right? Things in this world that we just cannot control, right? Natural desires and natural, natural disasters, excuse me, that we just do not have control over, right? And, and God and Satan are responsible for these things, right? And, and those who are present are affected. And in these times, our response is ongoing trust in God's faithfulness. In summary, we suffer due to our own sins, the sins of other people, and the general fact of living in a fallen world. And often, God allows the natural consequences of sin to play out. But I believe that once we figure out the source of suffering, it's much easier to figure out how we respond to it. But even in our response to suffering, the question that we want to answer still remains. Right? And it's usually not the suffering itself that gets us, but it's the purpose of it that does. Right? It's the questions that we don't get the answers to, the questions that we are uncertain about, right? These are the questions that we ask of God, why am I going through this? God, why is my family going through this? God, why is the world going through this? These are questions that we have all asked in our life and that we always wonder about. And I think of that and, and I'm reminded by the book of Job, right? And it's an amazing book in the Bible, which I encourage you guys all to read. And it touches on this very subject. Um, and a little bit of context of that is Job was a man of God, right? Right. It says that God repeatedly re referenced Job as his servant, right? A man of integrity, right? He says that Job stayed away from evil, right? Job was a very prosperous farmer. He had lots of wealth, and he had thousands of sheep, camels, oxen, and donkeys. And, and back in Job's living times, those provided lots of wealth, right? Job had a huge family. 
and he had amazing servants working for him who loved him, who were faithful to him. Right, Job had seven sons and three daughters. Right, Job was living the life. Job was living the American dream that we all want to live. And even in that, Job went through suffering. Right, it says in the book of Job that Job lost all of his possessions. He lost all of his wealth. It says that all of Job's sons and daughters were killed in a storm. All of Job's servants were killed. Right, not only that, but Job endured terrible physical illness, right? He had bulls all over his body covering him from head to toe. Right, and it says in, in, in the Bible that, that Job used broken pieces of pottery to scrape the bulls off of his skin. Job had everything and lost everything in an instant. And I don't want to spoil the book of Job for you, but we know the reason for why that happened. But Job did not know why. In fact, throughout this book, we see that Job is being confronted by his friends and all of them are wrestling through the same question of why Job suffered the way that he did. Right. It said that Job was a man of God. It said that Job was a servant of God. It says that Job was a man of integrity. It says that Job stayed away from evil. Right. We may tend to think of that and, 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 and put all that stuff into one little thing of it says maybe that Job was probably a good person. Yet in the midst of Job being a good person, Job suffered. Right. And when Job and his friends got together mourning over Job's suffering, they tried to come up with their own ideas and conclusions of why Job was suffering. But in the end, they were all wrong. And eventually, towards the end of the story, Job calls out to God. And God answers Job. And God actually gives back twice as much than Job lost. And it says in the end that Job died an old man and lived a long, full life. So we see that even in the midst of the suffering that Job went throughout his life, that the story had a great ending. But may I remind you that Job died an old man and lived a long, full life without knowing the reason to his suffering. He didn't know the reason. We know because we have a history in the Bible of what happened to Job. We know the reason. We know the background. We know the context. But Job died not knowing that. Job lived and suffered without knowing Job many, many times asked the question. And yet, God never gave him an answer. In fact, the answer that God gave him wasn't anything that Job asked of him. <laughs> and when you read the, the book of Job, you're going to see that. 
But it, 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 it's, it's funny because we go through our life with this mindset, right? We go through our life suffering, expecting God to give us an answer for where we are. Right. And then when we don't receive an answer from God, we try to come up with all these logical conclusions. Well, well, maybe God is testing me. Well, well, maybe I did something wrong. Well, well, I maybe I just don't know. It doesn't make sense why why I'm going through all of this. And listen, that might be all well and true. But ultimately, the answer to our suffering is rooted in the God that we serve. Our view of suffering should not be about the why or the how. But our view of suffering should be God's view of suffering. Which is that suffering causes us to trust God for who he is and not what he does. The point of suffering has nothing to do with the suffering itself and everything to do with him. And, and, and it's funny because in the midst of all that and on top of all that, God and his word causes us to find joy in suffering. Let me give you some examples. It says James chapter 1 verses 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. Right, Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. It says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted you, the prophets who were before you. They persecuted the prophets who were before you, so rejoice and be glad, right? Galatians uh, Galatians 1 verse 24 says, Now I'll rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Isn't that encouraging, man? I mean, like, you're probably saying, man, like, okay, Nate, I get it. Okay, I get it. Have joy and suffering. Yay. Yay. But 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 it doesn't make sense. Right? Listen, I I, I get I get what I, what the what the scriptures are saying, Nate. But but you you don't get it, Nate. You you, you don't get it. You you don't get what I'm going through. How am I supposed to rejoice in suffering? Right? My mom just got diagnosed with cancer. You're telling me I'm supposed to be happy? I'm supposed to be joyful on that? I'm supposed to find find some sort of hope in that. I just lost my job. I don't have a job. I'm jobless. I got bills to pay. I'm supposed to be joyful in that, Nathan. See, see, Nate, you just don't get it. I'm going through so much in school. I got so much pressure. I got all these bills to pay. I got all this debt. And, and you're going to sit up here and you're going to tell me that I'm supposed to be joyful in that? You you just don't get it. I'm, what am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be like, yay, suffering, yes. Give me more suffering. Give me more. Like, it doesn't make sense, Nathan. It doesn't make sense. And you're right. It doesn't make sense. And may I encourage you that that's okay. 
And may I also encourage you is that we serve a God that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that that our God is is a mystery, right? He is incomprehensible, right? It says in, in Ecclesiastes verse chapter three verse eleven, it says that He has made everything beautiful in His time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one could fathom what God has done from beginning to end. No one could fathom. No one could comprehend. No one could understand. No one can come up with an inclusion from what God has done from beginning to end. And that's okay. It's okay that we serve a God that we don't. That doesn't make sense. So I wouldn't want to serve a God that makes sense. <laughs> I'm a I'm a finite creature serving an infinite God. Th- there's no way my mind can comprehend all that God goes through. And 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 if I'm being honest, I think the problem with that is that in this world, in this society, we have been fed a lie. We have we are being taught that our feelings are tied to our circumstances. Right. If our circumstances are down, if our life is not what it's supposed to be, if our life if if our life is not what we expect it to be, then our feelings are down. Right. Our emotions are down. But if our life is going great, if our life is going amazing, then our emotions match up with that. But may may I submit to you that the Bible teaches something different. The Bible doesn't teach us to be led by our emotions. The Bible doesn't teach us to be led by our circumstances. The Bible teaches us to be led by the joy found in Christ and for the hope of eternity. And listen, I'm not saying that we can't mourn or I'm not saying that we can't, we can't go feel emotions in, in our circumstances, right? And in fact, in Romans 12, 15, it says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, right? So the Bible calls, calls us to mourn, right? Job's friends mourn with him in his suffering, right? Jesus wept. When his friend Lazarus died, even though Jesus knew that he was going to rise him from the dead. But yeah, but 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 we see that Jesus experiences grief. But not grief without hope. And our mourning and grief have to be attached to the hope and the joy that we know we can have. And like, what do you mean that? we know we can have what do you mean that we know we can have joy what do you mean that we know we can have hope and the scripture answers that it says in romans chapter 8 28 it says and we know (laughs) and we know that god causes all things to work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose Right. And we know. So 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 now so now we're asking ourselves the question is, OK, do all things really work together for our good? Right now, when we're going through suffering and we read the scripture like, OK, OK, um, 
okay, how, how, how does this situation, how is this going to be worked out for my good, right? And, and, the, and, and, and anything and everything that we go through in our life, and anything, this verse does not allow us to believe anything other than yes. Do all things really work together for our good? Yes. All things. Not some things, not little things, not specific things. All things work together for our good. It's not like God is just is just sitting around saying, I'm actually going to cause that thing to be bad for you. Oh, yeah, that suffering right there. I don't know. I don't think I could turn that for good, so I'm just going to turn it for something bad. Right. First John, verse uh, chapter one, verse five, it says this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. God is light. There's no darkness at all in God, which means that God cannot possibly do any harm to us. It's not in who he is. It's not his nature. His nature is good. His nature is light, which means that anything that he's working out, it has to be for our good. And we know that. We know that. It's not a mystery. It's not something that that we have to dig for and search for. We already know it. Right? We know that our joy, we know that our hope, the confident trust in with the expectation of fulfillment, we know that those things come from God. We know that joy is rooted in God and joy is not rooted in our circumstances, that joy is not rooted in our worldly possessions, that joy is not fleeting. We know that joy is shaped and rooted and birthed in the characteristics of God, of who God is. We know that true joy is not found in our independent efforts, but in a dependent relationship with Christ. We know that joy is rooted in a sovereign God who is in control of everything. A God who shapes us to be more like Jesus. May I submit to you that the suffering that you may be going through, the suffering that you may be going through, may, the, may I submit to you that the purpose of that may possibly be to make you more like Jesus. May I say that your pain is purposeful and that that purpose is to sanctify you, to set you apart for something good, to set you apart for holiness, right? And, and after Romans 8.28, after it, it says that we know for a fact that God caused all things to work together for good. It says in verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Jesus went through suffering, didn't he? Jesus showed us how we can be joyful and hopeful in suffering. Jesus chose to go through suffering. He chose to do that. 
for us. So may I submit to you that if Jesus went through suffering and then after that was raised to the right hand of the Father, can may I submit to you that our suffering could it possibly be used so that we can be more like Jesus? Could our suffering possibly be used for something good? Could God possibly be doing a work in our life in the midst of the suffering that we're going through to make us more like his son? Is it possible? And the answer to that is yes. First Peter chapter 1. Verses 6 through 9. It says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a while, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed, though you may not, though you may have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God orchestrates every event in our lives the suffering he allows us to go through that the temptation he allows us to go through that the consequences of sin he allows us to go through that and he does that to accomplish both our temporal and eternal benefit right and going back to the beginning of Romans it says, and we know. And still some of you are asking the question. You've read in all these scriptures and if you heard me say these things and yet you say, okay, but I don't get it. And, and you're tempted to just let it go through one ear out the other because you can't possibly understand how in the situation of what you're going through, you can be joyful in that. And I may not know what that situation is, but may I submit to you that you have to wrestle with the word. You have to wrestle with the truth and you have to wrestle with yourself to believe it. May I submit to you that your lack of understanding is not an excuse to not trust God. Your lack of understanding is not an excuse to not trust God. As a matter of fact, in Psalms 112, verses 6 through 7, it says, Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Not trusting in the world, not trusting in their own efforts, not trusting in anything else, but the hearts are steadfast. How? In trusting in 
the Lord. And because of their trust in the Lord, they will never be shaken. And they never have fear of bad news. They don't have to be afraid because they're going through troubles. They don't have to be afraid of going through trials. They don't have to be afraid of going through any of those things. Because their hearts are steadfast. Because they trust in the Lord. And uh, another side of joy after joy is hope. After we're joyful in who God is and the goodness and the faithfulness of God and trusting in God, we have joy when we're rooted and we're trustful in his characteristics. And now, after that, it's hope. Hope of what? Hope of better. The hope of eternity. The hope of the fact that we know where we are going. That our suffering is only temporary because of the eternal reward that we have coming for us. Right in Hebrews chapter 14 verses 16 touches on this. It says people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country that they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they are longing for a better country. A heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Right. God has greatness prepared for us. God has heaven prepared for us. May I submit to you that your greatness. You may not find your greatness here on this earth. But may I submit to you that that greatness will be found in heaven and your eternal reward and your eternal blessings that will last forever and ever 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 and ever. Our hope is in the fact that in the midst of my suffering right now, that there is better, that that my ultimate hope is not in this world and it's not in ganging earthly comfort. But my hope is in God and in his greater plan. That we look, that, that God has a larger story perspective. God has a bigger picture perspective than we do. And in the midst of whatever you're going through right now, that if you just, just hope in the fact that God has something greater. That God is going to cause something good in the midst of it. That I guarantee you at the end of it, you'll understand why you went through it. You'll understand why you went through it. First Peter chapter 1 verse 10. It says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Right. We have hope that in the midst of all of our suffering, that the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory, 
we have hope we have assurance we have confidence that god himself will restore us that god himself will confirm us that god himself will strengthen us and that god himself will establish us we have hope in that our suffering is real the things we go through are real our emotions are real and I'm not downgrading any of that you know and, and there's this one quote that I love by Dr. Larry Crabb and it says that there is never a circumstance that can come into your life Never a condition of soul that can enter your reality that prevents you from knowing joy. And may I submit to you that in the midst of our suffering that God causes calls us to root our emotions, suffering, and circumstances in the joy found in who he is and for the hope of a better future. Knowing and trusting in God and his promises that the best is yet to come. And may I also say that healing from our suffering starts when we learn to depend on God. When we, when we walk with God, when we praise Jesus, right? We are called to live by faith and not by sight, which means that we need to look past our circumstances and fix our eyes on Jesus we cling to the goodness of God and to his promise of eternity I don't know what you're going through right now I don't know what suffering is in your life I don't know what struggles you may be going through whether that's mentally emotionally physically and I know that it's hard may I submit to you that life is always going to be hard may I submit to you that troubles will always come our way but may I remind you that Jesus is always there may I remind you that God said you can cast all your worries and anxieties on him May I remind you that our God is a comforter. May I remind you that our God is a restorer. May I remind you that our God is a refiner. May I remind you that God promises that he will work your circumstance, your suffering for your good. For the purposes that he has for you. And may, and may I remind you that the purposes that he has for you are good. That, that God is not trying to keep good from you. That God is not causing harm to you. That God is tr just trying to sanctify you, to set you apart to being like his son, Jesus. May I remind you that God has good and prosperous plans for you. And that doesn't mean that those good and prosperous plans exempt you from suffering. 
That doesn't mean that those good and prosperous plans exempt you from going through trials and tribulations. It just means that through the good and prosperous plans, that through the suffering, that through the trials, that through the tribulations, that God is going to mold you. God is going to strengthen you. God is going to restore you. God is going to establish you into the man, into the woman that he has created you to be fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God to do good works for Jesus, to be a blessing to others. And he's going to use suffering to get you there. And that through the suffering, you're going to be strengthened. That through the suffering, you're going to be restored. That through the suffering, you're going to be established. And that at the end of the suffering, you're going to understand why you had to go through that suffering. And at the end of it, you're going to understand that God truly knows what he was doing. And that what God did, it was the right thing to do may I submit to you that it's only through Jesus that you can find this joy and that you can find this hope that if you look towards the world you will not find it if you look towards your family you will not find it if you look towards your friends you will not find it if you look towards yourself and your own individual effort you will not find it that the only way you could find this joy, that, that, that the only way you could find this hope that is true, that is genuine, that is loving, that never fades, is through Jesus. Now the only way that you could possibly get through suffering, that the hole, the void that's in your heart right now, the only way that it could possibly be fulfilled and satisfied is through Jesus. So I pray that whoever is listening to this, Father, that you remind them that they can find joy and hope in you. The Lord God, I don't know who may be listening to this that may be going through some suffering. It may go, it may be physical pain, Lord. It may be spiritual pain. It may be emotional pain. It may be mental pain, Father God. I don't know what it is, Lord God, but you know. Father God, remind them of your character. Remind them that you are good. Remind them that there is no darkness found in you. Remind them that you are loving and that you are caring and that you have good plans for them, Father God. And remind them that there is purpose in their pain. Remind them that there is purpose in their suffering. Remind them that they could cope, that they have hope, that that hope, that true hope, that ultimate hope is not found in this world, is not found in earthly comfort, but it's only found in you of trusting in the greater plan that you have for their lives. Remind them of that, oh God. And Lord God, I pray that you shower everyone who's listening with this with your love. You shower them, Lord God, with your truth that's found in your word. And that you help them with the power of your spirit to walk in it and, and to apply in their life. Help them to apply in the circumstance and the suffering that they may be going through right now. And Lord God, even if there's those who are not suffering, Lord God, help them to, to share this message, to share your truth with those 
who may be suffering, whether that be a family member, whether that be a friend, Lord God, whether that be a classmate, a teammate, Lord God, or maybe even a random stranger that we, that we may see, Lord God, give them the boldness and the confidence to help them, whoever that is, to lean and cling on to who you are, to cling on your goodness and your faithfulness, Father God, so that true joy and true hope is found in you. So Lord, we thank you for the hope. We thank you for the joy that we know that we can have, that we know is found in you because you are good and you are loving and you're an amazing Father and you're an, even, and you're an amazing God, Father God, and we rely and we trust on all that you do and, and who all that you are. So we thank you and we love you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, family member, or anybody that you think would benefit from listening to this. If you feel led to support this podcast in any way, please feel free to do so. Let me know what you guys want to hear or any subject that you guys want me to talk about in my next episode. Always remember to keep God first, and I encourage you today to stay hungry and stay humble. See you next time on the Carter Effect Podcast.